0: Come with me on an exploration of self-discovery. On this podcast, we decipher what really matters as we unravel the chaos of day-to-day work to learn how to build an essential life. Welcome to the What's Essential podcast. I am your fully British, mostly essentialist host, Greg McEwan, and it's really a delight to have you here. Thank you for spending a moment with me and my guests every week to reflect on really what matters most. If your life is anything like mine, you've probably got far more problems to handle than you possibly can in a day. And the temptation with that is to, to try and overdo it, get overwhelmed by all the challenges around you. You can even quite easily, especially in today's environment, get a little negative with yourself, with the people around you. In fact, almost always it's with the people who are most essential to you. We often show up worse with them than anyone else. We get overwhelmed by the task, even though it's the most important relationships in our lives. In today's episode, you're going to learn how to make this a lot easier. To be able to make progress by rediscovering the importance and power of small wins, of catching people doing the right thing. And I'm frank to say that I struggle with this sometimes in my own family. And so for that and many other reasons, I have invited Anna McEwen, my wife, to be on the show again today. She's wicked smart. She's seriously wise. And you have asked for more of her on this show. So we're going to do that at least, let's say, once a month together. So with that, Anna, welcome back to the What's Essential podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Is it a pleasure to be here?
1: Yes. I get a little bit more time with my amazing, handsome, talented husband.
0: That's why all of this is a facade. It's just so that I can hear (laughs) such affirming things from you. That's why we're doing this. Okay. So this type of episode, we've come up with a name together. Can't tell whether this is clever, <laughs> cute, or sort of bad. Uh, tell, tell us about the name that we came up with. Q&A. <laughs> that feels very underwhelming now that we got to it there, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you
1: built it quite up. Yeah, that,
0: that's, that was my fault. So Q&A, right? So of course it's a Q&A because it's question and answer, but also why else?
1: Well, when I first met you, my love, you went by the nickname of Q. Because your last name McEwen, so I called you Q for probably the first year of our marriage. I don't even know when we
0: shifted from shifted
1: that. to Greg, but uh, but and yeah, you are Q.
0: That and and even when you say it, it reminds me of that time. It was so magical. So I kind of like that yeah. anyway. But and then of course you're Anna, so it's yep. like Q and A. So it's you two. It's us two together doing this. That's why these are the Q and A episodes. All right, that's enough. No one needed any more from that. <laughs> So today, this idea of progress, of catching people doing the right things, I want to get into this by thinking of the last time that you were pulled over by the police. Not trying to make this awkward, Mm. but let's go.
1: Oh, you know what? I I remember the last time I was pulled over. It was probably, I don't know, five or more years ago. What were you doing? Really? (laughs) I was in... Stop and go traffic in, like, the town. I wasn't on the highway or anything. And I was trying to find some directions, and I had my phone in my hand.
0: No. And
1: a cop was on a motorbike and just strolled up on his bike next to me because I think my car was stopped and uh, knocked on my window and smiled at me. While you're
0: still holding the phone? Yeah,
1: of course. Well, I saw him there. And I was like, oh, he's like, yep, you know, pointed at the phone. and
0: He points at the phone. He says to go down. What are you thinking at that moment? Now, he's pulling you over.
1: Oh, I've been caught. And I was trying to be good. I wasn't trying to break the law. But I had, and he'd caught me, and there was no way out.
0: And, and you're wondering if he's going to what?
1: Give me a ticket or a warning.
0: Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A warning or a ticket? You didn't think, of course you didn't think, nobody thinks, is this going to be a good ticket or a bad ticket? No way, yeah. Uh, That's the thing, right? We all know that you're thinking, is this going to be a good ticket or a negative one? (laughs) Because why? Well,
1: I certainly have never had a good ticket.
0: Right. But Ward Clapham, a police chief in Richmond, Canada, question that assumption that we all hold. Tell us about him.
1: Well, there is a well-established approach to cracking down on crime, and that's to pass new and harsher laws, set stronger sentencing, or initiate zero-tolerance initiatives. In other words, to do more of what we already do, only more forcefully. And for years, the Richmond Police Department followed these core and long-held practices of police systems everywhere and experienced the typical results recidivism rates at 65% and spiraling youth crime. That is, until a young, forward-thinking new superintendent, Ward Clapham, challenged them. Why, he asked, do all of our policing efforts have to be so reactive, so negative, and so after-the-fact? What if instead of just focusing on catching criminals and serving up ever-harder punishments after they committed the crime, the police devoted significant resources and effort to eliminating criminal behavior before it happens? Out of these questions came the novel idea for Positive Tickets, a program whereby police, instead of focusing on catching young people perpetrating crimes, would focus on catching youth doing something good. Something as simple as throwing litter away in a bin rather than on the ground, wearing a helmet while riding their bike, skateboarding in the designated area, or getting to school on time, and would give them a ticket for positive
0: behavior. That's such a game-changer. I mean, just think about how different that is and how timely that conversation is, given the whole raging topic that we have in society around police and crime. And I suppose this false dichotomy between you can either just be brutally hard or you have this sort of other extreme on the other end of, okay, defund police. And here you have this third alternative, this Ward Clapham saying, well, it's not about being tough versus not tough. It's just about finding smarter ways to fulfill a different essential intent. His essential intent wasn't law enforcement. His essential intent was to end crime. It's not to say that there isn't crime. It's to say, how can you try to change the conversation, catch people doing the right thing? And the results of it were unbelievable. Reduced recidivism rates from 65% down to about 8% in youth. What an amazing thing that is. Think of all those lives changed just from that single statistic. He took the overall crime rate down by 40% over a 10-year period and the overall youth crime rate cut in half.
2: Hmm.
0: Ward Clapham gave out 30,000 positive tickets a year. That's three times more positive tickets than negative tickets. And that's what changed the culture and brought about these tremendous results. This episode is sponsored by Shopify, selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. So the question I have, Anna, is how can we apply this to everyday life? Um, I was thinking about one way that you introduced into our family a similar type of system, and it had to do with making a trade-off not between crime um, and, and good behavior, but between screen time and reading. Tell us about that.
1: I wish I could. Claim that I came up with it. I read it in a parenting book and just tried to apply it to our family. And essentially, you create a token system, and it can be just pieces of paper with your signature on it, something so that it can't be duplicated by the kids. <laughs> and uh, and we need no
0: false currency right. in the family right now, no inflation <laughs> no of, counterfeit. Uh, of, of, of the monetary system.
1: Indeed. So we were trying to regulate screen time a little bit better and not have it feel so reactive or, you know, just where the kids would ask constantly to watch it until they wear you down, those kinds of things. So the token system meant that the children got a certain number of tokens and each token was worth like a half hour of screen time.
0: They all got 10 if I remember right.
1: Yeah, I believe so. So that equaled five hours of screen time for the week. And they could redeem those at various times. If there was any quarreling, then the screen went off and they lost that time. And if they used it all up, then there were ways that they could gain more tokens, they could read. And reading was equal to screen time, like 30 minutes of reading, you could get a token for 30 minutes of screen time. And if you had any tokens at the end of the week, you could redeem it for money.
0: 50 cents per token, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. So that that was big bucks back then for our little (laughs) ones. Although they didn't really redeem them much in the end, but it's a good motivator and we were happy to redeem them if they ever turned them in.
0: Well, it established that there was an actual value to the token.
1: Yes. And what happened was screen time started to go down and reading started to increase because... By just opening a book for 30 minutes, if it was a good book, if it was interesting, then they naturally wanted to keep reading. And they weren't always keeping track of that time, to be honest. So reading went up significantly. And they still definitely spent time on screens at various times during the week. It's not like that disappeared. But the hassle or the, the demands for it were tempered by the question of like, well, have, do you have any tokens? Do you have, have you read it all today? often they couldn't redeem those tokens till they'd gotten certain things done anyway. It wasn't like you could redeem a token any time, day or night. And so, yeah, it brought a certain kind of order and it definitely brought a positivity to screen time and reading and and just created kind of a system that was not strained, not unpleasant for everyone, not Mm win-lose, but a positive culture around those things.
0: Well, I remember that before the system, there was just this no downside to tapping you or mm-hmm. me for more screen time. Yeah, you know, Every time they have the thought of a screen, they just come and tap you, and so you're constantly having to say, no, not yet, not yet, pushing back. The token system put the decision-making more in their hands where they had to think about the trade-offs involved themselves and not just at no cost to themselves come and tap about it.
1: Well, and it simplified things for me as a mom because... You're trying to be creative with your children and get them involved in in things. You know, why don't you go play with blocks or why don't you put a puzzle together? Why don't you go outside? You know, and and it's all on you to try and think of things for them or they're going to just whine. (laughs) And so this simplified things where they could either read or they could come up with something else. But reading was the thing to do instead.
0: What is your recollection of what happened immediately when this started?
1: Well, it simplified things for you and I because the rules were set up and the kids understood them. So you just had to refer back to that. So that took off a lot of stress and strain around trying to manage screen time. So that was a a big win in that negativity went down simply by creating this system.
0: Yeah, it helped them to just have, it was more self-empowered. The decision-making had been pushed down to the children, because the, there was an, an agreement that was set up, a high trust agreement had been set up.
1: Yeah, and they bought in, thankfully.
0: hmm Yeah, I think that was an important part of the process. What has the result been from your point of view from a long-term perspective, like over the last 10 years?
1: Well, there there are numerous things that have contributed to this, but our children increased reading. They are avid readers, They've read so many books and numerous books numerous times. And I'd say this was one of the things that got that culture to begin to be part of our family culture, a culture of
0: reading. Yeah, pretty much I think you created a monster. That's what I think this all comes down to. Because, like, definitely top ten challenge of my life is getting the children to stop reading at night. Maybe top five, (laughs) and this is this is. I'm just bringing this to you. It's your fault, and it began. Of course, as you say, not the only thing, but it began with this item at first.
1: Yeah, definitely the token system and reading to the children at night.
0: So, you know, just connecting the dots back to the positive tickets. The idea was that there was a reward for reading. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just. Bemoaning, get off your screens, stop doing that, you know, that sort of negativity. That's the one version of policing that we've been talking about. It's this, you know, there was a system that was built in that there was a positive reinforcement for them making a trade off between reading and screen time. That's what's so great about that system, I think. But that makes me think of one other tool that has been, well, I think really useful for us. But maybe tell us about this. This is. Catching the children doing the right thing using the the, the star chart system tells about that.
1: Yeah, I mean the star chart system we've talked about that in numerous times, numerous places. So apologies if you've heard this before, but it has been a fundamental part of the culture of our home in turning things to become more positive. And it's really simple. It's just a piece of paper with a bunch of boxes on it, a bunch of squares that we draw in stars. If you have stickers, great. Do stickers. Um for us it's just easier to just draw them in. And they've become quite pretty over time uh, mm-hmm. with with certain graphics and things that you guys will draw on them.
0: Yeah, I did one I did a Spider-Man once, like a like a color what what would they be called? Yeah. The color of the come Paint on. by Number? What's that? Paint, paint by, by number. number. Like almost the paint by number type thing. And it was a big uh spider-man chart and it took them so long to finish that chart it was almost impossible they did not appreciate that they liked it at first because it looked great but (laughs) over time they didn't love it because it was almost impossible for them to get the reward but but that's the idea right that you i mean you don't have to start complex like that you probably shouldn't do it as complicated as that but you have a reward when everybody has filled in this chart you all get to what what kind of things have been selected Um,
1: done movie nights out at the theater when we know movies coming out and we want to take everyone to go see it. That's
0: why we had Spider-Man on the thing. It was to go and see the new Spider-Man movie. Yep. yep it was yep. opening.
1: Uh, I think you did a gauntlet once. We're obviously Marvel fans. So you, uh, you did the...
0: I did the fist. I did the... Uh, the.
1: So yeah, we had the Thanos gauntlet as one of them when we wanted to go see uh, Endgame. And, uh, but it could be anything. It could be just time together. It could be an outing. It could be camping. That's been one of ours, uh, or trip somewhere. Depending how big you want to make the star chart, it could be for something smaller, like a popcorn and movie at home night, or dinner out as a family. You Choose
0: know? something. You do it together, so yeah. everybody knows what it is. This isn't like a little star chart for one person. This is a this is a reward that everybody gets. How does it work? How do you get to color one in or to? Yeah, anytime you
1: catch anyone doing anything right, basically.
0: What happens then? Then you give them a star. And they get to go and run over there, color it in.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I don't remember when we started the star chart, but the whole principle of trying to catch your kids doing something right was something that I'd, I'd read about and really bore fruit immediately upon trying to implement that in our home. I mean, I was amazed at the positive effect that had. I mean, it really is like the idea of positive tickets. Um, we all just want to know we're doing good. We all just want someone to say, hey, well done. Good job. And with my kids, I remember reading this and I don't remember what book, but it said, when you see your kids playing together nicely, the last thing you feel like doing is interrupting that to tell them they're playing nicely. You're like, oh, yeah, valid. we have a moment of peace and harmony in our home, I am not interrupting that for the world, you know, right. and and this <laughs> suggested that you absolutely interrupt it. You absolutely go in there and you praise them and tell them how wonderful it is that they're playing nicely together and how what a nice feeling there is. And look at you doing this together and, oh, I love how you're building that or coloring that or whatever, or how you've created this house with your dolls or built this thing with your Legos, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and being, having a paradigm shift because I didn't want to do that when things were going well. It was enough of a a shock to my system reading that, that I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. And it was amazing. I mean, my kids glowed. Hmm. They glowed. And then they wanted to continue doing the thing that was great, you know, doing the thing that was good. And i look for little things it didn't have to be anything monumental or and i didn't have to withhold my praise waiting for them to do that good thing you know it was mm-hmm. like okay what what are you doing right right now oh look you put that sock on good job you know i mean we're talking <laughs> about really little kids but still you're like wow you got your shoes on all by yourself wow you know making such a big deal about those things again and again and any behavior that you would like to encourage you know kindness to Each other, hygiene, whatever, you know, all all those things. Now you're talking like
0: you have teenagers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hygiene is a is a forever battle, isn't it? You know, (laughs) but uh, you know, when they're little too. But it just brings such a lovely feeling in into the home, and And come on,
0: and instantly. So, so that's interesting. But you said that you were shocked at the effect of it. Yes. Yeah. What was shocking to you about that?
1: How it made my children glow, Hmm. how happy they were and how like they would light up, their faces would light up just from me telling them that I thought they did something good. I mean, it's, it's really touching as a parent, really, to think of the influence that you have for good. I think we sometimes forget it because we're with each other all the time, you know?
0: Yes. and, And you're describing something I think that's like on the edge of magic, that you can do a tiny thing and pretty confidently imagine a positive reaction from the other person. But, but let me just explore one more thing with you. When you read it, it really surprised you. And hearing you say that now actually surprises me that it surprised you.
1: They were really little when I read it. But, but, Do, does it surprise you because it's been a part of our family maybe. for so long?
0: Maybe. But that's what I'm trying to get back to is is what it was about that moment that I mean, you must have been thinking something else previously for it to surprise you in that moment.
1: Yeah, and it was peace and quiet, you know, how, <laughs> how rare those moments were and how much I didn't want to interrupt
0: them. I see. So it's specifically to do with the idea of interrupting someone doing something right yes. by telling them. Yes. That was what surprised you. Yes. Yes, because you're making a trade-off you would never normally make. Oh, they're doing it right. Leave them alone. Right. But then how do they know?
1: Yep. Exactly. This
0: is good. This is right. And you're getting it right. Yeah. And the temptation as a person to see what someone else is doing wrong is so strong. You know, of course, it's true as a parent, you walk into the room.
1: Well, we're trying to teach our children so much over the course of their lives with us, you know. So there's so much that you can potentially correct. And we can just become correction heavy.
0: We can become the, the old-style police officer. Right. Always pulling them over for the thing they're doing wrong.
1: Well, and, you know, have you ever... I know in our home it's happened where you walk in a room and the children leave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that happened to me this week. Yeah, I know. I can't see. Is that why you're talking about it? Maybe. No, literally. I've seen one of our daughters... Like, if I walk into the room, she does it in quite a cute way, but she'll literally slink off. <laughs> like, and I know exactly why she's doing it, but she's not doing it because I'm going to tell her off for something, but because I'm going to ask her to do something because we're, you know, we've been doing this.
1: But yeah, when every interaction becomes a request or a correction, you can start feeling that vibe in the home and the, and the kids don't want to be around
0: No, <laughs> literally, they can feel the vibe. It's like in the air. I can, hold on, wait a second. I can sense he's here. He's coming into the room. No, this is, this is. uh
1: Right. So, Greg, what would you do based on what we're talking about if you were walking in that room right now?
0: No, you cannot be really live coaching me <laughs> for what we need to do differently right now.
1: Oh, I so can. What would you do?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, of course, what, what the, you know, the, Do you the... remember what
1: that child was doing when you walked in?
0: Are you thinking of something very particular?
1: No. But I can I can imagine because every time I walk in the room with one of our kids, they've got a book.
0: It was our youngest that I was thinking of.
1: So was she listening to a book?
0: No, she just was she just was in the room. <laughs> she was already in motion. But me moving into it, she definitely just like quietly, quickly exited. She just wanted not to be given a job in that moment. Oh, yeah.
1: She's Olympic level at flying under the radar. She's
0: Olympic level at that. That's exactly what it is. But still, I mean, I'll tell you what I have been doing this week with amazing results. And and I've barely done it and barely done it well. But is this idea of trying to spend 10 minutes... One-on-one with each of our children, each day.
1: Yeah, I walked in on you doing that the other night. I was like, huh. And there was such a good feeling. There was such a good feeling.
0: That moment was a little like heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that that when there's happiness at home, it's a quote by somebody, when there's happiness at home, it's like you're glimpsing heaven here. Mm -hmm. That was like that. Yeah. You know, she got all of the Christmas lights strung around her bed, (laughs) was full of light. And I'd started off just with her, 10 minutes, one-on-one. Do you know what was amazing? The first observation I had was how easy it was compared to the same intent within me when I'm trying to talk to all of them at once. Hmm. Because when I'm trying to sort of Coach all of them together, which now in hindsight is completely not going to work. You've always got some side conversation and something that's interesting, and I'm trying to sort of herd them together. Once it was one-on-one, all of that distraction was gone, and it was just this positive, completely... I don't know. I couldn't believe how easy it was. That's I, I don't know what else to say about it, but she was so open and she was glowing. Yeah. And, and even... You know, we got laughing about how I've been unintentionally over the last, let's say, couple of weeks where I I will be walking past people. What are you doing right now? Come and help with this. Come and help with that. Yeah. And that becomes the interaction. And I was was completely admitting that to her. And she laughed about it and and agreed with it. (laughs) And it meant that the next day when I'd done it again... Not all day long, but I had done it at one time. She raised it with me again when we did our one-on-one interaction. Nice. This feels like we're moving into sort of a third specific thing people can do to apply essentialism. And this is based on a family counselor that I've actually invited to be on the podcast. Maybe we'll be able to get together and interview her and get a bit more about the background of why it works and how to do it. But the simple idea, the takeaway, 10 minutes, one-on-one time with each of your children, whatever the agenda. But I guess to connect the dots back to the beginning, if you have the assumption you're going to be there to talk about what they're doing right. Right.
1: I mean, I, this is something that I feel like I've I felt like I should do and have felt like, oh, at the end of the day. You know, just true confessions uh, about where I'm at by the end of the day. But so I feel immense guilt about not having done this better. Um, we get a lot of FaceTime in our family, a lot of FaceTime, but one-on-one time, not so much. And it, it's kind of shocking to me when I think about how little one-on-one time I get with each of the kids. So I'll try and grab one if I'm going to run an errand. Sometimes I want to go run an errand alone just to have some alone, alone time. time. But I have certain kids who really love to come with me on errands, Yeah. It's just, I, th- I think, I think you've hit on something super important and I love that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. The question is like, do we both need to do that? I'd like to ask that counselor if that's something mm-hmm. that we both should be doing every day or if we can tag team it or, you know. or Tag
0: what? team it feels more realistic to me right now mm-hmm. based on my experiments with this over the last just even literally two or three days. Uh, because you know, even just four extra one-on-one time things to do every day yeah. is a bit tricky. And I certainly think it counts to have somebody. If you're dropping somebody off one-on-one, or if they're running an errand with you, as you say, I mean, it doesn't have to be let's call it super high quality. Well, I there doesn't need to be an agenda. There doesn't to have the conversation. to be an agenda. Yeah, it's just that it's one-on-one.
1: Yeah, and asking them about what they're interested in or what happened that day, or whatever it is they like to shoot the breeze about.
0: It it feels like to me, right now anyway, that this idea of the 10 minutes one-on-one is like the compound interest of successful parenting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we have one child in particular who will ask for it. She'll be like... Oh, can we talk? And it's always at eleven thirty at night yes, or later. I know. And when we get on top of it, which is rare, that definitely decreases, doesn't it? Am I am I right in remembering that? Like when we do take time to talk to her regularly, on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely, and and I think that's exactly the idea here. I mean, just using essentialist language for a second, a non-essentialist tends to try and solve any problem. By going big. Okay, we need to, I've, we've got to spend time with our children one on one. Okay, we've got to really solve everything. Three hours, a half day, a whole day type thinking. And that's so overwhelming. If you try to do it, you maybe manage one day of it. But more often than not, you're overwhelmed by the thought of it. And so you never get to it. And that's why I like this idea of the sort of microburst one on one where you say, look, it's 10 minutes. And here's what I've noticed just in these first few days is that by day two and three, you're already so much more in sync.
1: Well, and I'm just thinking about like, okay, if I were listening to this podcast, what would my takeaway be? Like, how would I try and apply this? And what I Anna, think I could manage is starting with one kid, you know, just starting there and going, okay, I'm going to get just 10 minutes with one of the kids today. And um, maybe I'll catch it during the day, but but my safety net will be at bedtime. When everyone's winding down, I will go in and chat with one of the kids for 10 minutes. And if I can, if I've got the stamina to do more than one, great. But my goal, my little small win would be to just see one of the kids because I think I can do that. That's something I can do.
0: Well, I love that. It actually reminds me, I hadn't really thought about this, but that last week I had ended up doing that with one of the children. So it hasn't just been two or three days, it was a whole week with one of them last week, and that this week I moved into trying to do other children.
1: And what were the results of that, like of doing that for that week with that kid?
0: Well, we made real... I mean, it's perfect because this whole theme is progress, but we made real progress, on actually starting to design, you know, a new routine for him. I mean, I literally have sat down with Jack and looked at the calendar and started to design, okay, what what things do you want on here and what sports are you wanting to pursue for this next few months And and, and taking him to them and talking through them there and back. That was my one-on-one time. And so within a week, I felt like, yes, we've made actual progress. That's so
1: great. Yeah, I've seen that happening.
0: Let me just draw the connection between what we've been talking about here in a parenting format just to the idea that this is about people, you know, big people too. Uh, One of my favorite uh, old articles from Harvard Business Review in 1968, it was called, One More Time, How Do You Motivate Employees? And I always thought that was an interesting title, One More Time. Hmm. You know, like, hey, we know this, or this has been established in the data many times over, but okay, one more time, what do you have to do? Uh, it was from Frederick Hertzberg, uh, who of course is, uh, you know, he he has revealed all sorts of studies around human motivation, but that the two primary internal motivators for people is achievement and recognition for achievement.
1: Yeah, we just want to be appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Uh, Napoleon, apparently, by the way, I don't know that this is good at this juncture, but he said, my life changed the day I realized a man would die for a blue ribbon.
1: No, I mean, it, it shows the power of affirmation. Well, that's of competition, you know.
0: Well, no, yes, I suppose that's true, but it's, it's the hunger... To be recognized, to be seen, to be heard.
1: Well, I think about it in our relationship. You know, we've been talking about the kids, but both of us are hungry for positive feedback from the other. We love it. I mean, we've, we've talked about this. When I'll give you positive feedback, you'll be like, oh, yes, that is what I needed to hear, which is so nice to hear from you. I mean, you're giving me positive feedback for giving you positive feedback.
0: It's a virtuous cycle, (laughs) but
1: yeah, it motivates me to do that more often. That's for sure.
0: I think I feel desperate for it at times. And that doesn't mean it's not ever happening. I just mean when you're intensely pursuing what you think matters, when you're trying, as you are, as I am, who are the witnesses? The, the most important moments, I mean, in complete contradiction of Napoleon for a second, right? It, it's not the one dramatic moment. It's all the, all the stuff in between. It's all the normal daily work. And nobody sees that, or almost nobody does. And it certainly can feel that nobody sees us. Yeah. You've said that to me before. And you, you need someone to say, what you're doing matters. Thank you for doing that interrupting yeah, I someone. I see you. I see you in the middle of doing the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like exactly what you said about with the children. When they're doing the right thing, don't assume they know that.
1: Yeah. If if you come up to me and give me a big hug while I'm doing something for the family, say, making dinner, and you wrap your arms around me and say, well, oh, thank you for making this. It smells so good, and we're all so hungry. Oh, that's just, so motivating to me. It yeah. makes me feel like my you contribution blow. is appreciated and like I've done something good for my family and they love that and appreciate that thing. Yeah, just as an example.
0: <laughs> there's a, and there's a specificity here that I think is, is helpful. Yes. That you don't have to just say on our anniversary, you're a really good husband, you're a really good wife. You're, some general can feel throwaway. It's in the moment in the small moments.
1: Yeah, I mean if I if I go back to that moment where the children are playing, right? And I can walk in and see them playing nicely, I could give them the generic feedback, "Hey, nice job, guys." Which is great, you know, it's not nothing, it's something. The more specific I get, the more powerful the moment of that person feeling seen, of that person feeling known and and also just a feedback going, "Yeah, this is really great that that you're being so gentle with with your sister, or you're you're handling that thing so carefully, wow, good job, you know, or I love how you've put those colors together. I can tell you've really thought about putting that pattern that way. You know, that kind of specific feedback, the more specific you get, the more, I think, the more valuable.
0: Well, the more clear they are about what it is that they're doing right. Yeah. The, the, the more clear the praise is to me in our marriage, the more...
1: Yeah, if you tell I me I that. look nice versus I love it when you wear that dress or that top. Oh, he likes that top. I look good in this top. Okay. You remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the specificity I think is really important. And, and so whether this is family relationships, personal relationships, or even work relationships, the same idea stands. Yeah, I, I think that you can have a, a standing norm in every work meeting where the first, even if it's literally one minute of gratitude, you start with the question, what's going right? Because, because people want to do, I think the vast majority of people want to do the right thing and we should never assume that they know what that right thing is from our point of view. How would they know? I mean, we we have to give that feedback, and this positive feedback is a way to do this. This is positive tickets. This is the idea of the power of small wins. This, I think, is the way to get progress in the things that matter most. Anna, thank you for being on the What's Essential podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It has been very enjoyable. I love your questions. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy your insights, and I really enjoy this time that we get to spend together. It it is very valuable to me.
0: I love hearing you go back and remember specific parts of our lives together and the natural spontaneous excitement that comes up as you do that, as you relive them and Mm re-remember them, and the energy that comes with that. It, it, It just it is always thrilling to be me. i mean i've always felt this that your your smile can sort of light up the whole room <laughs> and uh and 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 as you do that you're a bit like that like the literal star you know like the, the in in what's the, what's the movie come on it's a weird movie but
1: stardust it, you stardust. like the movie stardust yeah well i like <laughs> well we this. enjoy that movie it's it's, it's silly but it's, it's
0: fun but the particular thing about how that star glows under certain circumstances, I almost literally see you doing that even <laughs> now in the studio. When you reflect and remember and recall those stories, I love watching you do that. Mm, so Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've come to that time again, the end of the show. And very sincerely, I thank you for listening, for, for tuning in and allowing us to be a part of your day today. You know, wherever you are, in the middle of all the things that you have grappling for your attention, you've invested some of your precious life with us. That's just a beautiful thing to me. And if you have found this conversation useful, if you found something in it that's valuable to you, I'd like to ask you to do a favor, to go on to Apple Podcasts and write a review. And and as a thank you to the first five people who write a review of this episode, uh, I'm sending a copy of Effortless. Make it easier to do what matters most. So all you have to do is you take a photograph of your review and send it to info at gregmckeown.com. That's I-N-F-O at G-R-E-G-M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. Have a marvelous week. Catch people doing the right things and progress awaits. We'll see you next week on the What's Essential podcast.